Welcome back to Be More Super, the podcast, where we explore the world of entertainment with celebrity interviews from your favorite movies and TV shows. So grab your popcorn and let's get to know these stars better and what really makes them super. We are brought to you by PropStore.com, where you can find your very own piece of entertainment memorabilia from screen use props to costumes. Now, here's your host, Brian Garner. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we're joined by another awesome guest. She is a writer, director and actor. It's Stephanie Isaac. Stephanie, welcome to the show, my love. Hi, thank you. Very excited to be here. And I'm really excited to have you on because we're going to talk about your new Netflix show uh, com- coming out literally in a matter of weeks. Uh, but before we do, we like we like to touch in with our guests and and just check the last two years have been quite mad to say the least. Uh, a lot of challenges, especially with uh, you know people in your in- industry as well as others as well. How have you kept positive and moving forwards over the last two years? Oh gosh, yeah. Um... Good question. I've kept very busy. Um, I was someone who did enjoy the downtime of the pandemic. I really liked having the free time. I think a lot of people in our industry sort of enjoyed the slowdown. We would have preferred that it didn't come at the expense of a pandemic, but nonetheless, it was nice to sort of have a bit more time to myself. So I really got busy. I mean, I wrote, started writing a lot more, started directing, um, it was an interesting time for Canadian actors and I'm up in Canada, I'm in Vancouver um, because, you know, American actors couldn't come up here. So in some ways, you know, things shifted for us. We did happen to get a few more opportunities. So it wasn't all bad. Um, Had a lot of zoom parties like everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Took up a hobby or two. Yeah. Yeah you know, really leaned into my creative side. And Mm. it was all, it was such a gift to have sort of the time to explore a few more things in that world. So, but happy to be back, happy to be back in the new normal. Yeah, Yeah, the new normal. Do you know what? I I just hate that term, the new normal. I would just want the normal back and, uh, and, you know, the old normal. But I've got to say the positive from the pandemic is a lot of great things have come out of it in the way of content in the way of projects writing um you know which is which is a positive to come out of you know the last two 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 years and talking about canada i've got to mention i'm living my best life at the moment because for you it's probably an old thing but for me we have just had a new coffee chain open up uh, (gasps) round the corner yes so literally I am I I am addicted to coffee. Love coffee. So literally, Tim Hortons has opened up. I'll do it again. Sponsorship deal, wow. maybe. Um, so, um, but yeah, um, I, I I am living my best life right now uh, on uh, caffeine. What do you think of the coffee? Sorry. Are you happy with the coffee from Tim Hortons? Do you know what? I quite like it. You you know, I'm not a coffee snob. snob. You know, I you know I, I like all types. Um, uh, you know, I I've I've got a V60 dripper, so uh, you know I have the fresh fresh freshly ground coffee. Um, yeah. you know, instant is okay. Um, you know, means must. But when you have a nice cup of coffee, you see, I like it black. I don't like it with any milk. Ah. I just like it straight up, no sugar, black and hot, and that is it. Uh, but yeah, wow. the coffee the coffee's are very right. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. 
Tim Hortons is a, it's a funny that it's our, our, one of our biggest exports is Canadians because it's, especially living in Vancouver, we're a little coffee snobby over here. So Tim Hortons, it's not the first place we go to, but I love, I love <laughs> that people associate it with Canada because it is, it's such a friendly, happy brand. Mm. The donut. You see, see, believe it or not, I don't like do- do- donuts, but my girls went crazy on them. We got the little ones, you know, the round little ones that you can get. Is it like bits or whatever it's called? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we got a box of those, and it was like Christmas morning. It really was. Uh, so, oh, I think that is a Canadian childhood right there. Oh, that that is yeah. good to know. But we definitely will be going back. Um, maybe not soon because it's so expensive. It really is. I don't know how expensive it is over in Canada, but everything's oh, get, everything is getting expensive. But let's talk really? about your acting first. First of all, so why why acting? Why not a normal nine to five job? Uh, why did you choose one of the most competitive, you know, professions to have? Ryan, you're hitting me with the big ones. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I no, I do know. Um, it was kind of always acting for me, to be honest. That's such an annoying answer, I feel. Um, but I'm sorry if you can hear my cat. She's having a hissy fit. Um, babe. No, no. We think there's a mouse hiding out in one of our closets. So she's, yeah. So she's, she's into it. Anyway. Um, yeah. You know, I was that kid. I was, I was really precocious. I had a lot of energy. I was the second child. So I wanted a lot of attention. So my parents were like acting. That's great. Let's put her into that. I wasn't very sporty. Um, and you know, I started directing little films when I was in fifth grade in my basement with my friends. I was directing them. You know, we would recreate Spice Girl music videos. So it's just always in me. I just loved storytelling. I, I It was always the thing I gravitated towards. I spent more time in front of the television than with my parents. I'm very confident growing up. They will deny that. It is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was it. And then, you know, when it came time to make life decisions, end of high school kind of thing, I did a production of Romeo and Juliet and I played the nurse Mm. and I walked into the audition and I said, give me anything but Juliet because I knew early on, I was like, I love to act, but I don't want to play the ingenue. I don't want to, I, I knew, I can't believe this, but at 17, I was like, I don't want to be that. I want to be the, you know, I want to be the bad girl. And Closing night, and this is just such a silly story, but I got a I got a standing ovation as the nurse, and Juliet never forgave me. She always hated me for that, and I'm sure I was hamming it up, and I was just a crowd pleaser, all the attention. But I do remember that feeling. Mm. I do remember feeling like people enjoyed what I gave them. I remember the joy of making people laugh. Mm. There's just nothing like it, uh, and. From that day forward, it was sort of like, okay, I, I don't think I'm going to be a marine biologist. I think I'm going to be an actor. And <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've got to say, because I did I did uh, performing arts at universe, university myself, and there is nothing like being on a stage. I, I remember doing a production of Cabaret, and I was Clifford Bradshaw, and there was nothing like being on stage and getting that round of applause that standing ovation you get something from it you know which do you prefer do you prefer theater work or do you prefer you know film and tv i really don't think you can compare the two in a way of Mm. i prefer or i can't anyway prefer one over the other 
they're so different. It's the same. I like to use this comparison. It's the same as eating candy versus eating a really good nourishing meal. Mm. You like both. You want to, you want both in your life. Um, for me, film and TV feels a little bit more like the candy. It's this quick hit that I just love. It's fun. It's exciting. Um, and theater is this other thing. Theater is deeply nourishing. Theater is slow. Mm. You know, you, the, the rehearsal process, the preparation is most of the time quite different than film and theater. It's, it's slow. You get to steep in it. The time on the time of performance is hours at a time. It's just a totally different mm. thing. So I love both for very different reasons. And when you started out and you, and you decided to take this path, did you have a plan in place of what you wanted to achieve? Um, you know, and did it change over the years? I think everyone goes into acting just wanting to be the best that they can. I mean, some people are more competitive than I am. I, I do think, yeah, some people have, 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 have big <laughs> lofty goals. And I think everybody, you know, at first you're like, oh, I'm going to win an Oscar. Um, but I think quickly for me anyway, it became clear that there is no sort of end goal with being mm. an actor. You just want to keep working. You just want to keep uh, telling stories. And that in and of itself is a privilege and something to aspire to. So, yeah, it has definitely shifted for me. I, I no longer, you know, just aspire for like the very top or anything like that. I, I, I love telling stories in different ways now. I'm a writer and a director. And uh, I think my scope has broadened in terms of what I want to do for myself. Um, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously, um, you know, being being an actor it's not an easy job it's quite a hard job i mean as fans see these wonderful actors like like yourself on on the screen living their best life but there is a lot of work a lot of auditions i mean what's been the biggest obstacle that you faced when starting out that you had to deal with within the industry it's not glamorous it's money <laughs> yeah it's really, it, I, I know other people, you know, there'll be other, and of course there are other challenges, you know, you have, it takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of uh, facing yourself and personal growth that has to happen, I think, to be, uh, to have longevity in this career. But it's really tough financially because a lot of the time, the things that you have to do to sustain yourself as a young creative don't work well with fostering your creative life. Like for mm. me, I spent a few years in the service industry. Uh, some people are great at that. I was not, you know, the long hours, the late nights, they didn't agree with me. They didn't put me in a good position to, to do my best work. Um, so that's really the biggest challenge um, is just, you know, being able to feed yourself. I don't believe in being a starving artist, you know, mm. I don't believe in that. I tell, I, I do a lot of coaching and mentoring now, and I tell everybody, don't, don't start for your art. It's, it, it, it's, it might seem romantic, but feed yourself, give yourself a good life. You have to have a life outside of being a creative and a performer. So yeah, anyway, I'm long-winded answer to your question, but um, yeah, definitely, you know, feeling financially secure was, was tough at the beginning there. Mm. And then before we move on to your lovely projects uh, that you've been involved in, 
one thing that I've 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 always found quite quite funny is when we uh, fill out resumes, uh, we put on our special skills, and we put on what you can and can't. Well, what you can do. Have you ever lied on your resume, then got a job, and then regretted it straight after? No, but I do have a good story for you. So, I put an accent on my resume that I legitimately at one time <laughs> thought that I could do. And when push came to shove, I was in a casting director workshop and the casting director asked me if I could do it for her right then and there. And I just, I hadn't practiced it in so long. So I tried to whip it out and it was just, and she totally called me on it. She was like, you have to take that off your resume. If you can't do it right here, right now for me. Yeah, so that was sobering. Obviously, I'm not going to ask you to do that accent, but which accent was it? So this is so embarrassing because it was a Hungarian accent, and I am half Hungarian. That is my last name. It is pronounced Ezok in the mother tongue. Uh, but I just, I don't know, I just couldn't, I, I, it came out a little Russian because, I mean, Hungarian accents are hard. So I don't know. Oh, I took no. it off. Do you know what? It 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 is fine. I'm half half I Irish, and I can't even do a bit of Irish uh, accent. Right. But uh, but no, yeah. I'm sure you'll be forgiven by by your <laughs> relatives and your family. Um, so let's talk about the Flash uh, because the Flash has been one of those shows that have been going on for many many years, and sadly this is going to be the last season and it's not going to be a full season either which breaks my heart because literally i've loved that loved that show since it first came out um Aww. i mean you you obviously appeared um from season 6 and you've appeared in in uh, 17 episodes spanning over 3 seasons so i would definitely call you a regular a season regular on the show i mean what was it like you know being part of the flash family and and working on that show because i think i've got a i should have a video uh, a video an image just here there you go of you uh -huh. and barry i presume if i remember rightly is that from the eating competition Yes. Yes. Competition. <laughs> that was a day. That was that was a that was a really fun scene to to film, but also very messy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it looked it. I mean, what what was it like working on that show? Um, you know, can you share any wonderful stories behind the scenes or any stories about the cast? Who was who was the funniest? Who was the moodiest? Um, you know, anything <laughs> re re really. <laughs> you know, we're, I mean, we're still filming the final season. I can't, I can't give you any dirt. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Brian, it, it's just been it's such a joy. It's yeah. really like it comes down to that. It's been such a joy to be a part of the flash. I feel so lucky and honored that they invited me into their little family and that I get to be officer Daisy, uh, this plucky little cop, um, who just means, well, you know, that role was meant to be an actor role. Which mm. story? <laughs> this confuses people when I say that. An actor role in Canada, we categorize that as just a very small walk-on role. You're supposed to just be in one episode. You come mm. in, you say a couple lines, you're gone. Oof, we never see you again. And that's what that role was meant to be. And I, you know, I don't really know what happened behind closed doors, but they liked they liked the character, they liked me, and they they kept inviting me back, and it just sort of grew from there. And 
you know, there are a lot of sets here in Vancouver. There are a lot of shows that film here. And The Flash has a reputation for being a really well-managed, nice, comfortable, welcoming set. And it's, I can tell you from the inside, it's completely true. Everybody's lovely. Uh, Grant is just a really wonderful leader of a mm. show. I think I've learned a lot from him. Um, just watching how he conducts himself on set. He's, you know, he brings a lot of positivity and uh, joy to the work. Everybody there does, you know, everybody, mm. Jesse, uh, all, all those guys. So yeah, I don't really have, I mean, I don't know if I have a great story for you. I suppose uh, if you, you are still filming the, the season, you know, the wonderful things called NDAs and what you can and can't say. And and um, is it going to be a good last season? I mean, I mean, can you say yes, no, maybe blink once for yes, two for no? <laughs> I mean, of course, it's, it's, I can see this. It's going to be a big season. It's going to be a really big season. I think the fans are going to be really happy. Uh, you know, last season we were doing a lot. The the writers were getting having a lot of fun bringing people back. Uh, I think that's probably going to continue. We're going to see some favorites. Um, that's really all I know. Honestly, they don't send me the scripts. I'm just Officer Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you know, but... I don't have any intel, but... Well, the thing is, I mean, what what annoys me a lot of the time is that we're in definitely a cancel culture where literally it's all about money. It's all about the studios making the decisions. And for, from what I can see, the fans never get any real saying things and and you know all these dc shows that have been cancelled and 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 you know are never going to be return returning it is, for me i don't think of just the actors i think of the people that are working behind the camera i think of you know the writers directors and and i just think that you know i th I, I think because we are drowning in content uh, at the mo moment with all these streaming services it's very hard to find those nuggets in you know this whole sea of content so this is why it's one wonderful when you get shows like the flash and and soon to be blockbuster um you know on on it's just fan fantastic but hopefully they'll go out with a bang and uh, who knows let's see if they keep the door open for maybe a return maybe in the future once the studios change their mind but we're going to chat about blockbuster because because I've got to say, I'm so looking forward to this show. People of a cer certain age will remember going down to the local block blockbuster, getting a, a video, a VHS uh, back in the day, and actually sitting down and making a movie night of it. Me personally, I actually worked at blockbusters when I was, eight, when, when I was 18 years old. Um, so I've got some amazing yeah, memories. Yeah, I found that true for so many so many people who end up get, going into the arts. We all wanted to work at video stores, right? Yeah, and we got up to so much stuff. It, it was hilarious, but but um, but no. So on Netflix coming the third of no November, I've got a poster just here. Um, let me just get it up. There we go. Look at that poster. It's awesome. If you could tell us a bit about the show, uh, this uh, this is the third of November. It come come comes out Netflix. Cannot wait. If you could tell us a bit about the show and who you play. Yeah. So blockbuster. Yes, November third. 
Um, the show is about the very last blockbuster in America. Randall Park plays Timmy, who <laughs> is, I believe the write-up that they're putting out says he's an analog guy in a streaming world. It's very accurate. You know, the show, it's a workplace comedy. Um, and it really reflects the experience of the little guy in America and across the world today, you know, being a small business owner, trying to compete with the big box stores and streaming services and, uh, you know, that sense of community and family that comes with, uh, you know, operating a business in the same community that you live in. So that's sort of the heart side of the show. And it's just so crazy funny. I mean, we got Vanessa Ramos, Jackie Clark, David Cask, all of the creative team, the writers behind it from, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Superstore and um, Melissa Fumero and of course Randall Park. Um, the entire ensemble is just incredibly funny. So yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's just going to take that nostalgia spot for everybody and just hit it hard. I know it did for me, uh, you know, walking on set to the actual blockbuster locations that they built for the show and who do i play i play lena um my mother owns a bait and tackle store just down in the same plaza as the blockbuster video called a uh, hot piece of bass and <laughs> i become uh, you know they're sort of like the the family unit that that works at blockbuster and they've got sort of their inner uh you know conflicts and and joys and things like that and i'm a little bit of an outsider who comes in and kind of stirs things up a little bit mm. um well I mean, from from the trailer, it looks amazing. And from the trailer, I think they've done an awesome job in making the store look like exactly like a replica of, you know, an actual blockbusters. I mean, was that all built on a studio or was that in a, you know, a shop somewhere? Well, it wouldn't be in a shop, would it? There's only one left. So it would have been built in a studio. What am I saying? Yeah, so... There were actually two locations for the blockbuster. There was the interior, which was built on a soundstage here in Vancouver. And then the exterior, which was in this old, actually, no, sorry, not an old strip mall. I think they completely constructed the strip mall uh, down in, I want to say Langley, which is a suburb of Vancouver, but basically in the, the greater Vancouver area. So yeah, it was, it's, it felt like a time warp walking onto the set. And it was so interesting because they, you know, they wanted to obviously have movies everywhere and posters and things, but they, because of copyright, you can't have mm. the actual movies there. So it was, a, it was, a, <laughs> it was funny because they would have the cassettes with the names of movies, but then they would have sort of like, like secondary art that right. kind of looked like the actual covers of all, all of these movies so it was really trippy it did feel like an alternate universe mm. i mean i mean it's fitting for this to come out because obviously the documentary the last blockbuster i don't i don't know if you've seen it uh, but but well, it's it's about the last i've got a picture of the last blockbuster here it is in bend in oregon and literally it's the last one on the planet uh, which is just fantastic to see there's one left. Uh, well, not fantastic to say it's gone, but it's fantastic that we've got one left and it hasn't <laughs> completely disappeared. I mean, have you got any, like, you know, lasting mem memories of going to Blockbuster yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was that kid in, like, 13, 14, and I would go to Blockbuster every Friday night rent a couple movies, watch them, watch one Friday, watch one Saturday. 
yeah, I mean, what was so great about it was that it was at the local strip mall right by my house. So you go and you'd see, hey, there's so-and-so and there's that guy I have a crush on. And, you know, like you'd see everybody and mm. you just don't do that anymore. You know, some people don't even know their neighbors mm. nowadays. And it's, we actually, my community just had our, uh, it was not a blockbuster. It was an independent video store and it just shut down a few weeks ago. Mm which was a little heartbreaking, but I want to commend Bend, Oregon, because that is why that blockbuster is still open because that community is still patronizing. So yes, excellent. For you, it's fantastic. And yeah, it's a family owned business and, and they're doing great. But my memories yeah. of working at Blockbuster was I can remember uh, hiding. We used to have these quick drop bins with you could, t you, you know, you can post your video, uh, you know, uh, rent rentals after you finish with, with with them. And we used to get bored and we used to hide in one of them. And then when <laughs> someone put the video through, we would snatch it off them just to see the reaction. But that is the sort of silliness. I, I, I was 18 at the time. Um, so the silly, silliness that you do when you're there. Um, but no, looking forward to uh, 2nd of November. It looks absolutely stunning from the trailer. Funny as as I, and I just cannot wait. And I just wanted to touch on, and all you know, touch on a short film that you've directed and wrote, which is Consumer, which I think is awesome. I've seen it, and it's so powerful, so gritty, um, and it's got Eden in it, who's been on the show as well. She's absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, because she was in Family Law, um, so I had on on the show for that. So so this is already you know, receiving, you know, amazing reviews from the Fest Festival circuit. Um, I mean, can you tell us a bit about it um, for the viewers and listeners? And then, you know, when can viewers and lis listeners potentially watch it themselves? Because I know it's doing the Fest Festival circuit now, and I was very lucky to view it the other day. Uh, but yeah, if you could tell us a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit about it. Yeah, a consumer short film, um about a young girl, Rain, who is caught in the age of social media and diet culture online, um, as so many of our young people are nowadays. And she is on a quest to be perfect, and she thinks she's found a solution, but it turns out to be a little bit more than she can... She ends up biting off a little bit more than she can chew. There you go. I nailed it. Um, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a film that's very close to my heart, you know, um, as a young woman who grew up in the age of social media and the age of toxic wellness and, uh, you know, need, feeling the need growing up to uh, be a certain way, to look a certain way and being willing to do almost anything to achieve that. So it was a film that I felt touched on topics that uh, aren't really talked about enough, in my mm. opinion in our culture um which is you know to a certain extent understandable there's a lot going on in our world right now mm. um so i really wanted to make something to speak to these issues and uh it's also a lot of fun it, as you say i'm so glad you enjoyed it um yeah it's fun it's fast it's quirky um it's got some great music in it so i'm just really really proud of it um the team that came together to make it really believed in you know not only did we want to make a film but they really believed in making this film mm. um which as a director you know you can't ask for anything more than that to have than to have a team who believes mm. in your project um so it's very exciting um very proud of it and right now where people can watch it 
Um, if you're in the greater Vancouver area, we're going to be a part of the Vancouver Horror Show Festival happening at different theaters around Vancouver, November 5th to 7th. Um, so you can watch it right after you stream Blockbuster. And then um, it is going to be streaming online. Um, I can't say where yet. We're not allowed to announce that yet, but I will be announcing it soon. So if you want to follow along with the film, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us at, con at Consumer the Film, mm. and you can get all the announcements on there. I mean, it really resonated with me because being a, a dad myself to two girls, I've got a nine-year-old yeah. and a five-year-old, five and social media is is horrid i mean when when we talk about how can we keep keep our kids safe on the in, the in, the in, in, internet the only way really is to build self-esteem for your kids get 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 them to have self-worth and self-esteem and build 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 them up that way um so watching this short film literally it is a horror movie and it is great in other places you know funny and 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 you know it really is just a powerful short film that makes you think you know what is social media doing and it's shocking because it's very current because there is a lot of things happening in the uk um sad sadly with teenagers you know taking lives um you know through bullying online you know looking a certain way um and you didn't have that when i was i mean i'm 43 so i didn't have that when i was a kid you know you was who you were and that and that was it you know the bullies actually bullied you in person now it's all done on online you know they made an effort back well, then <laughs> yeah and well nowadays kids kids can't just be kids they're also brand managers mm. from a very young age they have to start they feel that they have to start curating who they are and how they're perceived and we don't really understand what the ramifications of that are yet it's still too soon mm. but the early indications aren't good no. um you know one statistic that i read before making the film was that uh, self-harm in young girls you know has gone up 150 percent since the advent of smartphones mm. so that when i read that that was really the impetus to to make this film mm. so but yeah, but yeah. so and, yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, uh, yeah, self-esteem. Let's let's, um, you know, build 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 that with our youngins. Um, but um, fingers crossed, you know, the the social media companies will, will will do an effort into maybe policing what is out there and what and, and what what they can see. But but I've got to say, Eden is her performance in this is award worthy for sure. Uh, she's such a great actress. She really is, and and you know, I mean, did you did you go through a lot of auditions, or did you find find her and 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 thought straight away she is the one? We did. We auditioned a lot of people. We auditioned a lot of incredible actors, and this was the first. This was the biggest film I've directed so far, and going through the process of auditioning actors for all of the roles was really helpful to me as an actor because, you know, mm. I could have passed this film five different ways and it would have been great. You know, there mm. was no shortage of incredible talent. But Eden brought something to the table. She brought a fearlessness to the table. She brought a grittiness and a maturity that uh, she was playing a role that was slightly younger than herself. Um, but she brought that 
sort of mature ability to have a lot of insight on what the character was going through that I really needed. And, mm. and again, just, just fearlessness, willing to, to, to try things that scared her a little bit. Um, so once, once I started working with Eden, uh, it, it became very clear she was our reign. And going forwards, are you going to maybe do a continuation of that story? Or is that the end? Um, obviously, I'm not going to say what, what, what happens in it. But, you know, could could there be a possibility? Or is that that's your short film and you're going on to the next one? You know, I don't, a lot of people have asked me this. I think that there are some stories that can be lifted out of a short film and expand into a feature. I'm not sure that ours is one of them. I think that it lives so nicely uh, in the packaging that it has right now. I, you know, it would have to really morph and become something else to go into feature. It would, yeah, a lot of a lot of things would have to shift and change. Not saying, you know, never say never. I've had a now, you're probably the fifth or sixth person to ask me this, so I might have to start listening to these questions. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but I do have uh, I do have another short that I'm working on now that hopefully will be uh, I'll be directing next year. Excellent. And a few more questions before we bid farewell. Uh, if you could choose one project that you've been involved with as your proudest moment to date, what project would that be? Oh, that's a tough question. I'm proud of all of them. I'm so proud of <laughs> everything I do. Um, well, you know, more, I'm very grateful for all of the work that I get to do. I have to say I'm the most proud of Consumer because of, you know, I wrote, I co-wrote with my wonderful co-writer, Toby Marks. Um, I directed the film, you know, as an actor, it's amazing because you get hired to say these wonderful words or these hilarious mm. words, um, you know, but ultimately it's, it's someone else's story mm. that you're telling. And in that way, directing for me was a lot more personal. It was a lot more vulnerable. This was, you know, this film is a small piece of how I see the world and how, what I want to say about right now. So, yeah, I was. I'm incredibly, incredibly proud of that project. Awesome. And if you could act opposite one person, who would Ugh. that be? I don't know. That is such a hard question. It could oh. be. It could be anyone that you haven't acted with. You know, it could be your 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 dream screen partner. I mean, Ugh, I mean, for me. Ugh. I love the Cates, I love the Winslet and the Blanchett, uh, you know, so one of those gals would be incredible. Yeah, I feel like I'd learn so much, especially after seeing what was that amazing series that Kate Winslet did um, recently. It was really dark, really gritty. Oh. Do you remember? Oh, uh, the Mayor of Isna. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I haven't seen, seen that. Is that on Paramount Plus? I think it's on Paramount Plus, isn't it? Well, yeah, I don't know, but you got to no, find it. No, I haven't it, seen it. No. It's oh finding the time. It it is finding <laughs> the time. Literally, you know, this so, again, there's so much content out there. So when you find, you know, a really good series, you know, you're committing yourself then to a set amount of time, 
you know, a, yeah. you know, away. And uh, but yeah, I've now now I've seen that. I think it is on Paramount Plus. Uh, but yeah, I'll mm. get I'll get I'll give that a watch because I like a good gritty show, some something that gets your mind thinking and you know. But um, the last question. Uh, I don't know if you've seen a film or the series Wet Hot American Summer, which is just an awesome series on Netflix. Uh, they made a film of it back in, I think, 2012. Um, and there's a line from that mo- movie, which I'm going to include in all my inter- interviews because it's great. So if your life was a movie, what title would it be? So that's a line from that show. So if your life was a movie, what title would it be and why? It's such a hard question. If my life were a movie, what would it be called? Yeah. And why? Mm. I think something along the lines of, boy, she tried hard. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a little (laughs) self-evident. Yeah. Um, yeah, some, something along those lines, you know, something about uh, finding that grittiness and, and that determination because it's something that I'm proud of. Um, takes a lot of it to, to stay in this industry. Um, I feel like that's such a boring answer. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, you talk about the industry. There's lots of ups and downs. There's lots of rejection. There's lots of yeses and, well, there's lots of noes and a few yeses. And, you know, I suppose you've got to keep on trying. Um, but you've got to have resilience to be in that industry that you're in because I couldn't do it. Um, literally, I can remember going for an, for an audition and, and, and waiting in line. And before getting in to actually do the audition, the casting director came down and said, no, 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 straight away before you even had time to to perform your mo- perform your monologue um which i think is strange because believe it or not i went into acting because i've done a few films and t- t- tv shows and i i did it because i've got a stutter and i had speech therapy for seven years and mm. i actually went into acting because it's the only way that i didn't stutter if i had words to read or, or a song to sing I, I didn't stutter and it was amazing it was like a transformation uh but no it's oh, very it's, it's very stereotypical sort of like um you've got to look a certain way uh you've got to be a certain size and i think it's sad and and i i suppose the industry is still go going through that with different you know you know you know ethnic backgrounds and 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 how you know sort of backwards they can be and obviously with the canadians and the americans the fact that that a lot of main parts go to the americans not the canadians because of something to do with taxes i i i, I don't know which i think stupid because everything's filmed in canada um which that's you know that... what? yeah yeah i think that i i do i i <laughs> I am a, a consummate optimist, I think. And I think that all of everything you just mentioned, I like to think is changing. I do see how things, you know, since Me Too, since Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, a lot is changing in our industry very, in some ways quickly, in other ways very slowly. But I think that these kinds of movements do happen slowly. Mm. Um, so all of us just have to keep, you know, 
keep our nose down and keep working hard to, to make these shifts and see these changes through. And um, that's terrible about the casting director who just, you know, sent you off. Yeah. I think that there, it's an interesting time to be an actor because I think that a lot of, you know, it, it is a very difficult industry and I, I don't think it has to be as difficult as, as it is. And I think that actors are, are waking up to that and mm. the industry is, is slowly waking up to that and realizing that uh, healthier actors and uh, actors who feel more supported um, do better work. So yeah. I'm a big believer in unions and a big believer in uh, positive change. Exactly. Stephanie, you've been a great guest. It's been lovely to have you on. Uh, I cannot wait for Blockbuster out on the 3rd of November and everyone to mm -hmm. see Consumer because it's awesome. And I'm looking forward to everything you're working on in the future. But you keep safe, stay super. And thank you for coming on to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. This was so much fun. Thank you for listening to Be More Super, the podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by PropStore.com. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with Be More Super and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow us on Instagram at Be More Super, the podcast and on Twitter at Be More Super. Keep safe and stay super.